As we now turn to our catechism, join me in the italicized font. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which God upholds, as with His hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father, that no creature will separate us from His love, for all creatures are so completely in His hands that without His will, they can neither move nor be moved. Let us... Pray and ask God to give us grace as we look to the catechism. Almighty and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we are sinners conceived and born in sin, unable of ourselves to do any good. But we do repent of our sins and seek your grace to help us in our remaining weakness. Through the teaching of your Holy Word, which we confess with the Church throughout the ages, Satisfy our hunger and quench our thirst with your refreshing truth, that we with all our hearts may love and serve you with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one and only true God who lives and reigns forever. Amen. Sometimes the most Comforting things in the Bible can also be the most controversial things in the Bible. The providence of God being one of those things. Sometimes people read about the providence of God and they find deep deep comfort in that. That God is in control. But other times people read of the providence of God and they are undone or upset by how in control God actually is. Consider a few verses. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Ephesians 1.11 For in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Isaiah 45.7, God said, I form light, I create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all of these things. And finally, in Psalm 115.3, says, Our God is in heaven. He does all that He pleases. Now friends, these are some strong statements of God's sovereignty, of His control, of His plan... In the Bible, God is in complete control. God has ordained whatsoever comes to pass. God has predestined everything from the floating dust motes into the air to the massive galaxies that we have not even discovered yet. 
As R.C. Sproul was fond of saying, there are no maverick molecules, for everything is under God's control. As we think about the providence of God, the providence of God you could think of as maybe the arm of God's sovereignty. God created a world and he did not abandon the world. And that's one of the things that providence teaches us. That's one thing that makes us not deists. God did not create the world and spin the clock back and then just leave it to kind of tick on by itself. But no, God created a world and now he's in and with and moving and guiding the very creation that he made. So as we consider Lord's Day 10, let us first unpack the definition of providence and then secondly look at our response to God's providence. So first, the definition of God's providence. The catechism begins by saying providence is the almighty and the ever-present power of God. God is almighty. You know, his, his works reveal that same characteristic of God, almighty. You cannot fight against God or his providence. You know, there's a lot of talk in our day about making your own destiny, by which people often mean that there is no controlling force, and you can do and become as you please without any outside influence whatsoever. Well, that is not true. God's providential hand is governing and guiding all things, including our lives. God is almighty. But the phrase here, ever-present, the almighty and ever-present power of God, brings an element, I think, of comfort to us. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. The phrase ever-present is meant to tell us that God is never too far off. He's never too far away. You've probably seen movies where somebody's trying to, to, to get to a scene to help out, or, or the police or the ambulance is trying to get somewhere, but they're just too far away. They're too far off. They, they get there too late. But that's not our God. Our God is ever-present. He's never too far off, never too late, always with us. And what does this power of God do? This almighty and ever-present power. Well, the catechism says that the power of God upholds and rules. As we approach the, the providence of God, theologians often speak of three aspects of God's providence They will speak about God's preservation, his concurrence, and his governance. His preservation, concurrence, and governance. According to Burkhoff, preservation has reference to the being, concurrence to the activity, and government to the guidance of all things. So preservation means that God is upholding, he's preserving, he's upholding creation, he's he's making sure that things are preserved. As our catechism said, he upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures. Why is the fall not, why is the sky not falling? Why is the earth not falling out of place? Why are we still here? Why are the bodies in the heavenly beings places? What's keeping them alive? What's keeping them there? God is upholding, God is preserving his creation. And I, I think that shows so much of the kindness of God. 
as well. I mean, think about all those people who hate God, and yet God is preserving them. Every breath they take, God is kind and patient. God is preserving. Concurrence speaks about God's activity in and with our activity. Concurrence means running together. And our actions and God's actions, you could say, run together. And there's some mystery here. There's some mystery in how this actually works and what this actually looks like. In philosophy, people talk about determinism. And by determinism, they often mean this idea that everything has been predestined and we're puppets. We're on a string, perhaps. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have those who talk about indeterminism, which is the idea that we have libertarian free will, no divine plan, forging our own life, doing as we please. Well, the idea of concurrence cuts through some of the errors in both of these. It's not purely determinism, but it's also not indeterminism, because God has decreed whatsoever comes to pass. Concurrence teaches a sort of compatibilism. It's a bit mysterious. In our working, God is working. Our working and God's working run together in such a way that God is in full control and has ordained whatsoever comes to pass, even as we are making real choices to which we are responsible. This is concurrence. The third aspect of providence is governance. This means that God guides all things to a goal. He, he has ordained an end to which He's bringing all things. He's governing all things, guiding all things to that goal. The Catechism says God so rules them that leaf and blade, rain, drought, fruitful, lean years, food and drink, health, sickness, prosperity, poverty, all things come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. You know, in, in decades and in centuries past, providence was, I think, a source of comfort. And it comes out in some older, older novels. If you read some of the older works, perhaps Jane Austen or um, Daniel Defoe. Um, you think of other books uh, written hundreds of years ago or even just a hundred years ago. The, the, the writers are so often to talk about the providence of God or to speak about God doing this or God bringing this into my life. They, 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 they were very quick to be mindful of how God is working in and through their life. But over, over time, that uh, is, is really no longer in, in view in our modern day. Today, we like to speak about chance or faith or some impersonal thing. We don't typically think of God's providential hand coming into our lives and helping us out or bringing us into various places that are trying to us. Part of the reason, I think, of this is the prosperity gospel. You know, the prosperity gospel has taught that God just wants us to be healthy and happy and wealthy and prosperous. And so the pro given the prosperity gospel, the idea of providence that would bring, as our catechism says, drought or lean years or sickness or poverty is just incomprehensible. How could God do this according to the message of the prosperity gospel? 
If you've ever read Daniel Defoe's classic, Robinson Crusoe, you know, the main character is shipwrecked and he's on this island and uh, he reflects as he's on this island. If you've ever seen the movie, the movie is the atheist version of the book. The book is very, very Christian. And he's reflecting on, on God and he's reflecting on providence and how is he on the island and, and what happened. And at one point, the main character realizes and he says, God has appointed all this to befall me. And he realizes uh, that God's providence led him to where, where he is. But then he starts getting kind of angry about it. He starts complaining to God. Like, well, why would you do this to me? And then he said, my conscience presently checked me in that inquiry as if I had blasphemed. And methought it spoke to me like a voice. Wretch, dost thou ask what thou hast done? Look back upon a dreadful misspent life and ask. Why is it that thou wert not long ago destroyed? The main character in Defoe's classic continues to wrestle with the providence of God and leading him there. And he's questioning sometimes even God's providence. Why would he bring something painful to me? And then he said, "We we all are the clay in the hands of the potter. And no vessel could say to him, why hast thou formed me thus? You know, it's interesting to, to uh, again, look at these great wo- works that we would consider the great books of Western civilization and speaking about God's providence and how God's working and, and, and seeing things that happen in their life according to what God is doing. They didn't speak of just brute chance or fate, but of providence. There was a great hymn written in the year 1675, by a writer named San Samuel Rodigast. And he wrote this hymn to a sick friend. A friend was ill. And so he wrote a, wrote a hymn. And it's a breathtaking hymn. It's actually in our Trinity Psalter hymnals. And in this hymn, he says, Whate'er my God ordains is right, his holy will abideth. I will be still, whate'er he doth. And follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. Wherefore to him I leave it all. It was interesting, this hymn writer writing this hymn to a sick friend to comfort him. That whatever God ordains is right. Now why would he need to say that? Why would he write to a sick friend and say, whatever God ordains is right. He needed to say that because we are so quick to doubt that, aren't we? We are so quick to doubt it. We are so quick to doubt the goodness of God. We are so quick to question God's wisdom. Samuel Rodriguez tells his sick friend, leave it all to God. You know, we love the the text in Romans 8.28. We know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Those are great words. All things are working for our good. God says all things. There's not anything outside of this. All things are going to work for our good. The most horrific things that could happen to us. God will make bow down before us and serve our ultimate good in Christ. Do we believe that? 
But why did I lose my job? Why did I get that diagnosis? Why did my parents suffer? Why did my friends die? Why, why, and why? We don't know all of the details, do we? We don't know all the reasons. We don't know all the ripple effects that will happen because of any one of those bad things. But we have an anchor that can hold us, even through a Category 5 hurricane, Romans 8.28. It will serve our good. And that is a promise that God will not break because He has ordained whatsoever comes to pass. And He has ordained that every bad thing that ever happened to you will bow down and serve your ultimate good in Christ. But why would God allow it? If God ordains evil things, does that cause us to doubt the goodness of God? Zacharias Ursinus, the primary author of the Heidelberg Catechism, was reflecting on the evil that's written about in the Bible. For example, Joseph being sold into, into slavery, the cruelty of the Assyrians, the crucifixion of Christ. And he said, God willed those things with the best end in mind. While men, on the other hand, willed them to the worst end in mind. God sees the end from the beginning. He sees the ripple effect of everything. Every action. He sees how it connects to every other action moving into the future. He sees all of that, how it's going to lead. And Christ will return and we will enter the new heavens and the new earth. But we don't have that vision. We don't see the connections. We don't see it. We see something very imperfect. We see sin and we see death and, in, and we see suffering. But in heaven, friends, as we look back upon the, the history of the world, we see everything in connection. We see all the pieces. Maybe not everything, but we have a better vision than we do now. And we will look back and we will say, perfect. That was a perfect plan of God. There's a measure of comfort in knowing in God's providence. Herman Bovink said, When Scripture tells us that even the hairs on our heads are all numbered, and that all things work together for our good, we know that there is not such thing as chance or fate, but that God works all things according to the counsel of His will. And this brings us to our second point. Our response then to providence. How does the knowledge of God's providence help us? The answer is we can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and as for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature will separate us from His love, for all creatures are so completely in His hand that without His will, they can neither move nor be moved. Are you suffering hardship? God has willed it. Let us be patient. Are you in prosperity and having a great time? God has willed it. Be thankful. Are you nervous about the future and what's going to come? God has willed that too. So have good confidence. You know, a lot of it comes down to trust. Trusting in God. We, we like to be in control. We like to drive ourselves. We like to manage everything around us. We like to have all of our ducks in a row. We like to have plan A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. So we know every contingency. And we like to be 
kind of, kind of the, the drivers of our life. But I think the challenge is trusting in the one who actually is in control, who's actually holding the wheel, so to speak. We know Christ, and we know Christ's love for us, and we know that we can trust him. Even if we're driving down a road that's hard or painful, even if we're not sure where this road in life takes us, we're not sure what's going to come next. Maybe it's bumpy, maybe it's hard. We don't know what's going on, but we know that Christ is in control, and Christ is guiding, Christ is driving. We can trust him. Christ said in John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one can snatch them out of my hands. What a great promise. Shows of the heart of our Savior. He says, you're my sheep. I give you eternal life. No one will take you out of my hand. So as we're scared, hear the voice of Christ. No one will take you out of my hand. As we're worried about the future, hear the words of Christ. No one will take you out of my hand. Romans 8 says, Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we can rest because we know who's driving the ship. Samuel Rodriguez, that that great hymn that he wrote, he concluded it by saying, Whatever my God ordains is right. And he ends by saying, Here shall my stand be taken. Though sorrow, need, or death be mine, Yet I am not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him I leave it all. It is a mighty statement, isn't it? To say, even if I die, I'm not forsaken. Even if I die, I will not fall. But it's true. God has written on His heavenly calendar... The day in which every one of us will meet him. It's a day fixed. It's a day that we can't stretch out a few more days or take off a few. It's a day that's fixed. It's on his calendar. He sees it right now. Let's not fret with anxious toil. Who can add uh, an hour to his life by worry and by being anxious about what may or may not come? God is in control The catechism means to instill, I think, confidence in us. No matter what happens, be confident in God. Without God, no creature can move nor be moved. Be confident in God. Boldly proclaim Him. Boldly serve Him. Boldly follow Him. He is in control. And when the army looks too numerous, when the diagnosis sounds too terrible... When the situation seems too grim, know that God is in control. God is steering the ship and God will have the last word. The catechism wants us to rest in Christ, not to become lazy and not to become burdened with worry, but to rest. And we can walk this pilgrim life. And as we walk, we can say with St. Patrick, Christ with me, Christ before me. Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, 
Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in the eye of everyone who sees me. Christ in the ear of everyone who hears me. Friends, we are pilgrims, but we do not pilgrim or walk alone. We walk with Christ who will carry us home. Amen.